Welcome to Carolina True Crime, a podcast from WMBF News. I'm Brad Dickerson, Digital Content Manager. We're taking a deep dive into some of our area's most infamous crimes, some with clear endings and others where questions remain. today with Kristen Nelson, our digital content producer. Uh, Kristen, who are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about Erica Parsons, who, um, yeah, she was a 13-year-old girl from Rowan County, North Carolina, who, uh, you know, was reported missing. Um, but the crazy thing about her, about her being reported missing is that it happened. Her, her adoptive brother, Jamie, went to the police like in August of 2013, but he told them, I have not seen her since November or December of 2011. Oh, wow. So she was almost, she hadn't been seen or heard from for almost two years. So it was just, that caught everybody's attention right away whenever that happened. Now, how, when the brother went to the police, you know, kind of what's, what did he say? You know, how is it, I haven't seen this girl in two years. What's, what did he say? Well, that's the biggest thing is, well, uh, whenever it first came out, you know, his parents, uh, who are key players in this case, Casey and Sandy Parsons, you know, they pretty much lied to a lot of people over the years as to where Erica was. You know, he first, you know, whenever he noticed that Erica was no longer in the house back in 2011, they said, oh, we took her up to Asheville to, um, to her grandmother named Nan. And so for almost two years, they told everybody, oh, Erica's just up in Asheville with Nan. That's where she's going to live permanently. And, and people believed her, you know, um, and so, yeah, it's, they were just, just spent years lying to people about this. It sounds like the Parsons must have been pretty well respected in their community if they were able to sell people on this lie. Well, I don't know if, I don't think they were well respected. I think they were just very close off mm-hmm. from their community. They, from what, you know, from what I've gathered, you know, reading on this and, you know, reporting on this um, while living in Charlotte, they had their close-knit family. You know, um, and it's important to note that Erica was not their biological daughter. Um, okay. She was uh, she was an adoptive daughter. They she was born to um, a woman named Carolyn Parsons, who was married to Sandy's brother, and but she um, she had Erica out of wedlock, mm-hmm. um, and so whenever Carolyn and um, his name is. Uh, Steve Par- uh, Steve Parsons, um, whenever they split up, um, Carolyn said, you know, I have three kid- three other kids. I don't think I'm going to be able to take care of Erica. And so that's when she went and reached out to Sandy and Casey saying, you know, can you please take her? You know, and so as a newborn, um, Casey and Sandy um, adopted her. And, yeah, and I... Well, from, you know, over the years after her disappearance, we've learned that she did not have a very good life with them at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's, what were some of the circumstances with, um, with Erica's life 
living with Sandy and Casey? Well, so this is another reason why we believe that her disappearance was hid was because she was homeschooled. So she didn't have to report to school. So therefore, you know, you don't have the schools coming after you asking like, hey, haven't seen Erica. Or also, hey, we noticed bruises on her or black eyes or, you know, stuff of that sense. And so she was homeschooled and, you know, uh, we kind of learned later on, especially after, you know, her body is found and which I guess we'll get into later, but, you know, from document court documents and autopsy results, she was, uh, she was abused heavily, heavily in that household. And it's really, really sad. It's truly a perfect storm in that homeschooled, she's, they're not her biological parents, the family, they're kind of keep to themselves. It truly is just a perfect storm of disaster for her and why she could be missing for almost two years and nobody's asking any questions. Right, and I mean, it. it's crazy to the lengths that they went to to lie to people because after this all came out, you know, this came out um, with the brother Jamie going to authorities and saying, hey, I haven't seen my adoptive sister in nearly two years. I caught the attention nationwide. They even went on Dr. Phil mm-hmm. and said, you know, we're not worried about her. She's with Nan, you know, and, you know, Dr. Phil even asked, like, well, do you have a number? So, oh, no, the, that number's disconnected. And, well, did you take her clothes? Oh, no, they had clothes for her, so we didn't bring them. And they even put them up to a lie detector test. Actually, Sandy was the one who did the lie detector. And, um, you know, the results of that said that he was strongly deceptive Mm. about, you know, whenever they asked him questions saying, you know, where is Erica? What about talking about her disappearance? And he basically failed. And Casey did not take a lie detector test because she said that she did not feel well. So, yeah, they... They put up a front for a very long time um, about it. And then it wasn't until, like, really their first arrest that things started coming to light. And now let's talk about that arrest. After after she was reported missing, mm-hmm. obviously police are involved. How long was it before Sandy and Casey were arrested? Well, it they so started, you know, this all circles back to 2013 is whenever... Um, it came to light about Erica's, you know, disappearance. and But they were not arrested until July of 2014. But it wasn't on them, uh, on Erica's disappearance and, you know, lying to police or anything like that. It was basically for federal charges because they mm-hmm. were, um, they were still, they got money, um, adoption, assistance money from the federal government to take care of Erica. And so... During that time that she was gone, they didn't know where she was. Since 2011, they had been taking that money from the federal government. So they were arrested on these federal fraud charges. Um, And, you know, and then in that case, uh, Casey pleaded guilty to it. She got, or actually, I'm sorry, Sandy pleaded guilty to it. He was sentenced to eight years in prison. And then, you know, about 30 days later, Casey went to trial. She was found guilty on the fraud charges and then sentenced to 10 years in prison. Um, And then that's when things kind of started to unravel Mm -hmm. in the case. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're arrested and charged with federal crimes. You're found guilty of it. Eventually, yeah, things are going to start to unravel. So what happens next? They've been tried, convicted on federal charges, and yet Erica is still nowhere to be seen. Right. And so um, everybody kind of knew that Casey, the adoptive mother, was the ringleader in all of this, you know, and... Nobody really knows why they speculate. Maybe it was guilt. Maybe it's because he was no longer under like her and he felt the confidence. But Sandy was the one who kind of said, you know, you're not going to be able to find Erica without my help. You know, Mm -hmm. all of these years, authorities have been looking for her. They've searched Rowan County, the China Grove area, countless interviews with witnesses trying to figure out where she is they've you know looked in the person's backyard and everywhere and still there was nothing so sandy started to talk um and which led them to chesterfield county south carolina where they had land and he basically led them to her grave Mm. where they had buried her yeah Now, how long had she been buried there in Chesterfield County, I'm assuming, that he finally confessed to what happened to her? Right. Um, I'm not sure if he... Well, because he's still going to be going to trial. He's still... So, I'm not sure if there's any kind of confession, because I still think, in his mind, he didn't really... That Casey was the main player in all of this. Mm So, yeah... I believe it was December 2011 is when, at some point, Erica dies. Um, And that's when... Because Jamie has testified to say, you know, the last day that he saw her... um, The last day he saw her, he testified that she looked like a zombie. She was pale, white. She didn't feel good. She told him, I don't feel good. She couldn't breathe. And so he just went to bed. And the next day he woke up and Casey, Sandy, and Erica were gone. So we're assuming at that point she died um, at some point and they took her down to Chesterfield County where in this wooded area they, um, that's where they dug a shallow grave for her and put her there. And Jamie is the adopted brother, brother. He sounds like, you know, he probably wanted to help her and you kind of have to imagine that's maybe there's some pangs of guilt that he didn't say something sooner, especially when he saw her in such a disheveled state that yeah. last time. Yeah. And what's, um, what, what's happened to Jamie? Are you, um, up? I mean, uh, I think he's had his own troubles. Um, I remember he was, he had been arrested, you know, and the, the whole thing that started all this, you know, him going to authorities is because you know, he was kicked out of the house. So for the longest time, Casey and Sandy were like, oh, he's just retaliating against us because we kicked him out of the house. So he's had his own troubles. But from what you, you know, we've gathered through testimony of, uh, cause they have, they had four kids, Jamie, um, Brooke, Sadie, and I believe another brother. And you hear from their testimonies that, especially the younger of the two, Sadie and the young young brother, they would try to help her a bit, but they're also fearful of their 
fearful of their mother, you know, and, um, you know, for example, Erica during Christmases or birthdays or holidays, she was, she would be given toys, but she could only play with the toys when the gift giver was present. And so once the gift giver was gone, any toys that she received, um, went to the other siblings. So, and you know, there were times that the children said that they went to try to give her water because she, you know, she was withheld food and water from Casey and Sandy. She lived in a closet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She, they, they testified in court that she, you know, she was basically in a closet, sometimes locked in there for hours on end, didn't have a bed. She had to sleep on the floor. Um, was had to eat dog food oh my gosh um and you know some wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom and whenever she was forced to relieve herself in the closet she was beaten um and you know there said that i think it was i believe it may have been sandy who admitted uh, in some kind of warrant or paperwork that where they admitted to like bending her fingers back so far so that they would break and beating her with a belt buckle. So she she underwent some unthinkable abuse this in that household. And Poor child. Yeah, poor it's child. almost like death was a blessing for her, mm-hmm. you know, whenever it did come. Wow. You know. Now, once we've gotten up to Sandy started talking and now they've found the body, what's, mm-hmm. what's next in, with, for Casey? Well, she, uh, in August of this year, pleaded guilty mm-hmm. in the case. And, you know, she, she had been in federal prison um, facing those charges uh, of fraud. But, you know, she pleaded guilty because she was facing the death penalty if mm-hmm. this would have gone to trial. So pleaded guilty, life in prison. And she, get, she did give a statement um, during... Uh, during her guilty plea and she this is what she said god gave me a precious gift a baby girl erica and he trusted me to take care of her and i failed him and i failed erica and i failed her horribly so there was i you know i don't know if like just being in prison you think about it a lot um so she i guess there's some apology to it whether or not it's truthful, I guess we'll not never know. But, you know, whenever she was asked, why did you do this to her? She said, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. It sounds like in that, you know, just hearing that quote from her, it sounds like she's, you know, taking responsibility and showing some remorse, but not a great deal based on right. all the history of abuse that Erica underwent right. in al- that house. Yeah, it's almost like I'm saying this to hopefully get some kind of lenience but mm-hmm. it doesn't i mean the whole rowan county community rallied around erica like they they made sure that she had a grave whenever her um remains were found there were lots of vigils for her and parsons are just not very very welcome in that community anymore uh, you I'd know venture to say it's, yeah. you know it's almost as far as like he, to relate it, it's like the Sydney Tammy Moore stuff here, you know, where that's, that's, yeah. you just really become a hated family um, for what this little girl went through, mm-hmm. and um, and so I don't I I don't think anything will ever really appease the community because there's mm-hmm. no reason as to why this had to happen to her. It's 
tragic. And yeah. I'm mentioning Sydney and Tammy Moore and the Heather Elvis case, obviously, as I, we've been talking. It's hard not to, you know, make some type of connection or some, you know, think about that case, hearing this case. Just some similarities. On, in that case, though, there was the sense of closure in that they did find Erica. Right. While we're still, obviously, still looking for Heather, but... It's still just a horribly tragic story. Now, do we know what's happened to the other children? What's where they're at today? I don't know where okay. they are at this point. I mean, they're they are still because they are still around because they did, you know, testify in. I, I think that not testified but made statements in um, in Casey's whenever Casey had her guilty plea. Mm-hmm. They did make statements which kind of reveal you know reveal the state that Erica was in and the abuse that she endured while, while they were there, um, in that house. And, um, so they're still around. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure where they are gotcha. at this point though. And Sandy, did his, did he get any type of maybe reduced sentence for his federal charge or at I'm, this point there, they, the Rowan County Sheriff's office and the district attorney have always said we have never made any kind of, mm-hmm. um, agreement with him uh he's they've never offered him any type of plea so at this point he is still uh, gonna go to trial mm-hmm. um not sure if that will change um but i i i mean if i had to guess it's because he places casey as the ringleader in this mm-hmm. you know um there was uh some testimony that he said that you know casey told him that erica committed suicide and so that you know Maybe he he's like, I don't know what happened to her, so and it wasn't I wasn't the one who caused it, so I'm gonna go forward with this. So who knows? It's gonna be really interesting if it does go to trial and we'll get some more information. <laughs> Absolutely. About Absolutely. what happened. Tragic case. Uh Kristen, thank you for talking with us about it. Anything more we need to know before um before we sign off here? Um, I mean it, it's just, uh, I, I was reading over, you know, again, you know, I covered this a lot whenever we were in Charlotte and, um, one of the mo- one interesting thing was whenever her autopsy came out, whenever they did that and there, there's still never an exact cause of her death, oh, wow. which I found interesting. They interesting. Um, called it homicidal violence of undetermined means. So, um, the medical examiner said we cannot exclude the possibility of a terminal blunt force injury, suffocation, or strangulation. You know, said that she was malnourished, suffered broken, broken bones to the face and the fingers, you know, like the bent back fingers that they, so, um, but what it really comes down to is they, you know, may, she may have suffered some untreated infection, um, is, so it's just, it's just really sad just it, thinking of what she went it through is. and it, it wasn't is. even her it wasn't even her parents mm-hmm. you know and you feel for the mother who mm-hmm. gave this child away you know tried to do the best thing that she could for the child at this point because she didn't want her to be in a foster home or anything yeah. she thought she was giving her to family that was going to take care of her so it's just a very sad case, and I'm really interested to see where it heads next with uh, Sandy Parsons and if he goes to trial. We all are as well, and if that case does go to trial, we'll definitely have a follow-up here. Definitely. Kristen, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Carolina True Crime. 
I'm Brad Dickerson, Digital Content Manager at WMBF News. We look forward to having you back for our next episode.